You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. Welcome to Wayne on Wednesday with Wayne McCurry, who is a portfolio manager at FMB Wealth and Investment. Wayne, since we last spoke, there's been some more Woolies news and more today, actually, when it comes to a significant shareholder buying more shares. We've had the EOH Microsoft story, Wilson Bailey. Today we've had higher prop. The bad news keeps on coming thick and fast, doesn't it? Yes, but look, I mean, certainly the the Group 5 story is a very specific thing where they misquoted because they didn't interpret the technical details correctly on a bridge that they're building. I think it's a bridge in, in, in Australia. Yes. Or a property in Australia. But that is an own goal. Eh? That's got nothing to do with economic conditions or politics or policy or Trump or anyone. That is a proper own goal. That They just got that totally and utterly wrong. Yeah. Then EOH is also very company-specific with the Microsoft agreement. EOH came out with a statement today saying they waiting some further clarification from Microsoft. But, I mean, obviously it's bad news that the deals were cancelled. But what's maybe even as bad is that clearly EOH had no idea this was coming. That there was literally a bolt out of the blue. So that also seems when you are a major vendor of a supplier that all of a sudden you hear almost via the grapevine that you've got no more uh, agreement with Microsoft. It, it just seems very odd to say, honestly, to say the least. And in Woolworths, we know the whole story is with Woolworths with the directors resigning. But I suppose now is the time to buy it, and that seems to be what's happening. Yeah, the Woolworths story, I mean, I can't believe it's below 50 rand a share, but somebody yeah, obviously thinks it's, it's very good value because it's a company called Alan Gray on behalf of their clients. I think they now own 15.16% of yeah. the issued share capital. That's a big stake, isn't it? It's a very big stake. That's very typical of a value manager. You take a big stake, and quite frankly, most of the time it pays off with one proviso, is it might take years to pay off. Mm. So in other words, you're buying at value, you're buying below intrinsic value, which is a very typical value manager uh, uh, philosophy, but you might be buying a week too early or three years too early. And so the, the key to value manager managing, or more correctly, the key for investors who invest in value funds is that you've got to have fortitude. You've got to be able to stick it out because ultimately you more than likely will get payoff if it's a good manager like Alan Gray. You will actually get payoff, but there are going to be some very, very lean years. So you take a, a pitfall unit at uh, regarding capital management. When he bought the platinum shares, and he's the only guy I know who owns platinum shares in any great volume, uh, and um, Impulse has more than doubled in the last six months. Anglo Platt is the best, one of the best performing shares in the last year or so. But the problem is he's held them for five years. Yeah, you know, and they've only gone down in the in the last four in the, in the in the first four type of thing. So that's very typical of a value manager. Look, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I've got no inside knowledge. I wouldn't be surprised if Woolworth just unbundles, gets rid of, tries to sell, you know, David Jones in Australia because it has been a catastrophe. And then domestically, the food side's fine. I mean, the, the food inflation will sort that out. But they haven't covered themselves in glory either with the non-food side of the business. They've been struggling in the pots and pans and crockery and fashion side of the business actually quite a bit. You know, maybe 
that was an expansion too far. Because when Woolies was food, they were, they, I, don't, I can't even recall them ever having a, 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 a serious wobble in the company. But since they went to Australia and since they expanded into fashion and clothing and kitchen utensils, etc., life hasn't been good for a Woolworths shareholder. No, while we're still uh, while we're talking about Woolworths, which is a retailer, obviously we had December retail sales coming out from the South African economy today, Wayne, a minus one point four percent decline for the month of December. That's the first fall I think since February twenty seventeen. You can talk as much as you like about the cannibalism of the Cyber Monday and Black Friday and the spending patterns shifting forward and away from the traditional time, which is obviously December. That's one thing, but it's also inherently. A story of how weak the South African economy is. Yes. Now, look, you can, as you as you correctly said, you can say it's Black Friday and all of those things, and they have had an effect. Make no mistake, there is clearly an effect because just about every retailer mentions it, saying that people are now buying on Black Friday instead of buying over Christmas. But it is still, nevertheless, a poor number, and it does show the state of the economy. But we must remember, I suppose, in South Africa, given the last 10 years that we've had here and sitting here in the dark with Eskom and everything, it's easy to be pessimistic and it's hard to be optimistic. The one good thing about the very, very subdued consumer economy that's been around for years now, I mean, it's been five years that the consumer hasn't really spent money and there's been job losses, is that despite everything that you hear about and read, etc., and see, the SA consumer is not overgeared. They're actually, their debt levels are relatively low. Uh, I mean, there's been no credit exp- or very little credit expansion for five years. Credit expansion to the to the private sector, to individuals, probably averaged 6% for the last five years. So it's, it's, it's in fact equal to inflation. So you've just got to improve sentiment and improve the way people feel and improve the economy. Actually, relatively small amounts because you're coming off such a low base that you can get a strong rebound. And, and I think that's going to happen. I mean, I, I listened to quite a few political and economic commentators, and there's just overwhelming negativity, you know, with an Eskom power cuts don't help and all the stories about corruption. But a lot has changed. There's still a massive amount that's got to be done. And the state president, you know, every single thing he said in Sona was a promise of things he's going to do. Whether he'll deliver or not, time will tell. But there's, there's a lot has been done. I mean, I very simplistically went through the top management structures of all the SOEs, the law enforcement, the prosecution, and ministers and deputy ministers. And there's been massive change there already. Mm. And there's been no tangible, positive result yet, but there has been massive change that's happened already, and there's still, I think, more to come. So we must not drown in negativity. Anything can happen, obviously. The trade wars can happen between China and America, and quite frankly, nothing else even matters if that happens, but as long as the global environment stays relatively benign, you know, this year and next year should be better than last year. They're not where they should be, because there's just not enough structural change happening, and I'm not sure whether it ever actually will happen. And we can blame a thousand people as to why it doesn't happen, but by and large, you can blame you can blame ideology within the ANC. But at least 
better is better than going backwards. Yes, I think we stabilised. I do think there could be a couple of wobbles. There could be rating agencies as a result of an unfavourable budget downgrading us. But let's hope that we get through it smoothly. And, you know, as you say, it's not going to bounce back to where it where it needs to be, but at least it won't get any worse. Let's have a look at a couple of sets of results coming out today, uh, Wayne. Curo, I noticed you on Twitter talking mm. about Curo this morning. Emira, Cap and DRD Gold, they came out with results. Do you follow any of those? Yes, I mean, certainly Kuro is very interesting because, as we know, that was the darling of the share market. It hasn't been the darling for a little while now. And they've had big expansion where they've chewed up capital and, in fact, had quite a few rights issues. However, they paid a dividend, and I think that's what the market liked. The earnings were okay. You know, it's one of these hockey stick stuff. You build a school, it takes three years, but then you really make money when it's all, when it's all running well. Yeah. And certainly... If there's demand for anything in South Africa, it's non-government education. It's just a question of price. Can you afford it? And Kuro seems to have a fairly well-spread uh, levels of affordability in, in within the education system. So I think there's a massive demand for this. Just that Kuro, maybe the share price, maybe us as investors was just expecting too much. And that's why the share price has come off. You know, And that's not dissimilar to nice perhaps and all, you know, and a couple of other shares as well. But these were not bad results, and the dividend was most welcome, so the shares up about 5%. And structurally, I still like this because, you know, as I said, there's no shortage of demand for private schooling. It's just a question of affordability. Yeah, what about the rating? Because the price did come down last year, and having been, as you said, the darling of the exchange for quite a while, it suddenly became less of a darling. And does, yes. does that mean that the price earnings ratio has come down to a more acceptable level? Look, it probably has. I don't think it's going to go back to those previous highs, simply because there are earnings, and the share price has come off. And Kuro, you know, the nice thing about their system is it's almost all upfront expenses. So they can turn the tap off CapEx very quickly and still maintain a decent earnings growth rate. So, you know, the, the, the business model is not predicated on a high PE shares and you issue shares the whole time to raise cheap money and carry on building. So if the share price falls, it doesn't destroy the business model like it does on EOH. It can still sustain the business model and still sustain earnings growth without the massive acquisition. So that's good news. And, you know, as I said many times now, can't fault the industry then. No. Okay. And what about Emira Cap, DRD Gold? Any of those in your portfolio? Any of those on yeah, your radar? Yeah. I, yeah, I'm a director of Emira, so just understand when I comment on Emira that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a director. Yes. Look, property market is tough. Emira showed a 3% increase in distribution They've done a lot of restructuring of the portfolio. The number of properties, commercial properties, is down quite significantly. Offices, the number of B-grade and lower-grade offices have been decreased dramatically. They've gone offshore. So along with many other property companies, you know, I've never seen the rating on the property index above the long bond yield for 20 years. So I think they're all at reasonably priced and, quite frankly, a good buy. I mean, watch out for the resilient group because there's still some, there's many unanswered questions there. Yeah. But certainly the growth point and the sort of bigger uh, property listed property companies look fair value at this price. Final one. And then uh, on the, yeah, sorry, yeah. you want to comment on the other ones. CAP, I think, is the one that is probably more interesting than DRD Gold at the yes. moment, although the gold shares have done well. 
Yeah, they have done well, but gold's a difficult one to invest in. It's very difficult. Mm. Yeah, look, CAP, I mean, we all know the history of CAP. At least they were spun out of Steinhoff and they, and they are independent of Steinhoff. Look, it's a difficult company to understand because they basically do almost everything. They make beds, they cut timber, they <laughs> transport logistics, and they've got a, there's many diverse things there. But the earnings weren't bad. And, you know, the share's not highly rated. The PE's not high at all. So if you've got a bit of faith in South Africa and a recovery in our economy, you know, maybe CAP's not a bad alternative. It doesn't, it doesn't look overvalued. You know, the businesses are quite diverse, but they're very geared to South African economic growth. But I didn't think the results were bad. Good. Final one. And it's not a set of results, but it's a piece of good news from Lake Charles. And that's, of course, means Sassel. And the Sassel yes. share price over 5% higher as we speak. And a nice jump. Was it to do with the Lake Charles announcement? Or was it just no. the RAND and, and the oil price? No, it's just the RAND and the oil price. The Brent, Brent's gone up. It's interesting. Globally, uh, OPEC has basically said, we will cut production to get to, to stabilize the price whatever it takes. And they've already, as you know, announced a 1.2 or the 1.4 million barrels a day cut in output. And all the OPEC members aren't cheating. They're actually exceeding that cut. They're actually cutting more than what they said they were going to. And it's quite clear OPEC wants that price more or less where it is now, at the 63 to 65 level. Now, understand the dynamics of oil. Above 60, the shale gas guys make money, so supply is coming. Below 60, they all go bankrupt, and then supply dies. Yeah. Um, you know, OPEC, OPEC needs 60 to keep the wheels rolling because their whole countries and their whole economy and everything depends on that oil price. So though it might only cost $5 for Saudi Arabia to physically get the oil out the ground, they need 60. And despite what the American consumer might want a $40 oil price and Sometimes President Trump wants a $40 oil price. So much of the American economy now is actually oil dependent. I mean, the southern states are virtually driven on shale gas and oil. So they didn't want the price to fall, although it's good for the consumer. It's probably overall not that good for the economy and certainly not that good for uh, President Trump's support base in those states. So I think, personally, I think everyone is more or less comfortable between 60 and 65. So that's what I think. I think the oil price will stay in those sort of parameters for a while. And then the moment it goes above 65 or 70, OPEC will just produce because they don't want to attract more shale gassing. The moment it goes below 60, they say the shale guys go out of business and then the price will recover again. So there seems to be some equilibrium in the oil market, but longer term, I mean, I see BHP announced yesterday or today that they're investing in true conventional offshore oil rigs in the in the Gulf of Mexico. Not a hell of a lot of money, but there's been virtually no investment in conventional oil because everyone's terrified about shale gas. Yeah. Now, shale gas has changed the dynamics, and in fact, in a year or two's time, the U.S. will be an oil exporter. I mean, you thought that was possible 10 or 20 or even five years ago. But they'll be an oil exporter. However, they can only supply, there is a limit to the amount they can supply. In summary, in three years' time, there's a serious oil shortage because no one spent money on expanding conventional oil. And shale gas can provide the increased demand, which is about 
probably about 2% a year growth in oil, so 2 million barrels. So, so the shale can provide that for three or four years. But after that, there's no more shale. And then if there's no more conventional oil, there could actually be an oil shortage in about three years' time and we could see significantly higher prices. That could be good for South Africa, given, yeah, given that uh, really, really big deep offshore yes. find that was announced in the last few days. Let's hope so. Wayne, thanks so much for your insight, as always. That's Wayne McCurry from FMB Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg.